Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, a reporter for The Daily Item. Today, we are talking about a highly requested case from you, our listeners, the missing persons case of Tracy Crow. Small-town crimes sometimes go less noticed by the media and, therefore, the public. About Last Night is bringing these cases to the forefront to get the attention that they need and deserve. This season will cover several cases, some old, some new, all of which justice has yet to be served. It's a Sunbury woman who went missing uh, in April of 20. The missing persons case of Corey uh, The death of Matthew Hoy. The missing persons case of Tracy Crow. We are covering these cases and more. All small town crimes that we are bringing to the forefront. This is About Last Night, a true crime podcast. Produced by Harv Productions, LLC. Tracy Crow was a 17-year-old girl who lived with her family in Millersburg, Pennsylvania. She was getting ready to start her senior year of high school. According to reports, Crow was a good student and was a member of the National Honor Society. Tracy Crow was a girl with a lot of life ahead of her, until she went missing on August 5th, 1989. Diving into the missing persons case of Tracy Crow. Now, Francis, I know this is one that you really haven't done anything on, right? No, it was kind of out of our coverage area, but it was definitely in our sights, and uh, I've been looking at it for quite some time. Yeah, and it's like around the time that Barbara Miller went missing, like that 1989 period of time. So I'm kind of going to go through it today, just some research that I've done on it, what I've found, and Fred and I are going to talk a little bit about it. And then, as we always say, if anyone knows anything or has anything to say about this case in particular, reach out to us, and we'd be happy to listen to you or to have you on to talk. On the night of August 5th, 1989, Tracy Crow went to Alex Aker's trailer park in Halifax, Pennsylvania, to visit her sister and brother-in-law. After she realized that they weren't home, Crow left a barbecue grill and some grocery store coupons on their steps before leaving. A witness said that she saw some kids hanging out on the corner of the square in Millersburg that night when she was leaving work, but she didn't think anything of it at the time. The next morning, though, when she saw that Crow's car remained at the corner and police surrounded it, she knew something was wrong. According to WGAL, in just July of this year, Tracy Crow went missing from the square in Millersburg, Pennsylvania on August 5th, 1989. So, some more backstory on the day that she went missing. Um, according to the Charlie Project, Crow was 17 and was last seen at the Alex Acres trailer park where she was trying to visit her sister and brother-in-law, but they weren't home. So again, according to this Charlie project, she dropped some things on their front steps. Like she dropped a barbecue grill and some like grocery store coupons, just like random things. Um, then an Irene Lau, L-A-U, I'm gonna go Lau. <laughs> 
um, told WGAL that she had been leaving work, which would have been like near the square in Millersburg, and that night, and she saw a group of kids like hanging out on the corner, but she didn't really think much of it. She thought kids were just hanging out in the park on a, you know, it seemed pretty normal. But when she went back into work the next morning, she saw that Tracy Crow's car, which was a blue striped white 1971 Mercury Comet, was still on the corner there and police were surrounding it. So then that's when it kind of jumped out to her that she was like, oh crap. Um, so in 1989, Millersburg police chief at the time, Kenneth Rose, said that they really just had no idea where to look and they didn't know what they were dealing with or what to do next. But her parents definitely didn't think that she ran away. And I think that's something we see pretty consistently across these cases. Absolutely. We'll be right back. The America's Hose Company has been serving Sunbury and the surrounding community since 1893. Today, they respond to emergencies with multiple ambulance crews and a tower within the Sunbury Fire Department. Their social club is a hot spot for many Sunbury locals looking for a relaxed environment and a home-cooked meal after a long day on the job. Their menu offers the classics along with a new special every day at an affordable price for the whole family. Come and enjoy yourself for good food, good drinks, and good friends. Four years passed, and as far as the public knows, nothing came to light in the investigation into Crow's disappearance, until investigators found items from her wallet, including a piece of her driver's license near a creek. Though this discovery likely contributed to the investigation in some way, it did not lead to any major breaks, and the search continued. Well, in 1993, which was just four years after she went missing, police actually found things from her wallet, including a part of her driver's license near a creek in Dauphin County. So that was kind of like a little bit of hope in that time, but it didn't really give them much much information to go on. also very odd, right? I mean, yeah. I just don't find that. Especially four years later, like near a creek, you would think it would have like washed, you know what I mean? Like it would have deteriorated or whatnot. In 2001, 11 years after Crow's disappearance, the Dauphin County District Attorney stated that investigators believed her disappearance involved someone she knew. In 2001, uh, Dauphin County District Attorney Ed Marcico Mm -hmm. said that they thought her disappearance was related to someone that she knew and not to a stranger. Which is kind of interesting because this is like 12 years later. So you kind of have to wonder what came to light at this time that led them to believe that it was someone close to her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, it was probably in their radar. And they, and again, these investigators, these cases hit home so much that they stay on them. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there was a, a lot of people they were you know, looking at or speaking to behind closed doors. And again, like we've seen in like every case that we've looked at so far, we see the police asking for the public to come forward with any information that they know. And we come back to this idea that the public has the answers um, that we you have said over and over again. In recent years, two suspects have been reported to have been under investigation pertaining to Crow's disappearance. So... Then that's back in 2001, but 
over just the past, like, year or two, um, two suspects have actually become, like, pretty, pretty out there in the news. Right. <laughs> um, which, I mean, that's a good thing because you think this was, like, 30 years ago, so it's hard. It's hard the older a case gets, but, it, I mean, I guess it's good that they are obviously finding more information out about the disappearance. The home of Matthew Allen Webster was searched by investigators in 2016. Afterwards, Webster allegedly told a friend information about Crow's disappearance. Webster pled no contest to perjury charges after lying in front of a grand jury. So the first suspect was Matthew Allen Webster. So investigators searched his property in 2016, and afterwards he allegedly told a friend that he was involved in Crow's disappearance. The quote that I have from my research says, it was just supposed to be a rape and done, but it turned out to be a lot more than that. Horrific. Horrible. It's horrible. I mean, either way you look at it, it was just supposed to be a rape and done, like that somehow justifies it. You can't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awful. The whole thing is a, it's I know. a, a tragic, a, a, and for a family to even have to hear that is just awful. Yeah. So, Webster was later taped talking to a friend, and the friend was scared to come forward to police because they were like, you know, he's already hurt one person, he's going to hurt me too. Um But then Webster lied to a grand jury about the conversation that they had on tape, and he pled no contest to perjury charges. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Sholly Insurance Agency is an independent insurance company that has been family-owned and operated since 1985. When you enter their branches in Lewisburg and Sealands Grove, you will be welcomed by local agents who understand your needs, and want to help you find the right coverage at the best price. Locally based and community oriented, Sholly Insurance will help you protect what you love. Head to sholleyagency.com for more information. Sholly Insurance Agency, we're here to help. Investigators also searched the property of Mark Eugene Warfel. Warfel claimed that the police were searching for Crow's remains, but that they weren't there and he wasn't involved. During a competency hearing regarding Warfel but pertaining to other charges, state police stated that he was a suspect in the Crow case. The second suspect that has come to light just in like the past year is Mark Eugene Warfel, who is 89 years old. So Warfel himself said that investigators were searching his home for Crow's remains, but he said that they weren't there. Who just comes forward and says that? That's like, yeah, the state troopers are out of my house searching for crow's remains. Isn't that just, again, if you're a family member and you have to listen and hear all this stuff, it's just kind of just, it's mind-boggling. Well, it's mind-boggling that it's out there and people get to hear that. And then, you know, you're talking so long ago. So there's uh, cousins and, and family members that have to relive every day. They relive the same tragic situation. During a competency hearing on other charges, state police said that he was a suspect in the Crow case. So can you explain, like, what a competency hearing would look like? So 
basically is uh, they want to know if the guy's sane. So there was many cases where people, you know, also admit to things that didn't happen. In the case of uh, John Bonet uh, Ramsey, if you remember that case, uh, might have been even before your time, but it was a child that uh, was killed. And a guy came out of nowhere and said, I did it, I did it, and he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, they take these people and they put them in front of a judge and they put them and they get uh, you know a lot of psychological testing done on them. And then uh, hearing uh, before the judge and then the judge, judge will rule whether or not a person is competent. If, mm-hmm. they, if they even know where they're at, know what they're talking about, or if um, unfortunately they have a mental disease and... Uh, it forces them to then, it's very hard to try somebody who is mentally incompetent. Mm-hmm. So so what happens, say that, you know, investigators got enough evidence in, in the case of Tracy Crow that they wanted to charge Warfel with her murder. Or... Well, they can, and they, sh- and they will, if that's the case. They will. It just goes on whether or not he could stand trial or if... So he... what happens if they decide that, like, he couldn't stand trial, but they are charging him with this? Well, then he can end up in a in a uh, institution. So it's not like they just let him go and he walks the streets. Okay. And he can end up... In so a... justice is still served it, either it way. Served. He just goes if... into an institution for the rest of his Instead life. Instead of a... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um... I mean, there's other, there's definitely other options, but that right. is basically where the main one right. is. Right. I was just reading this, and it was like, you know, he was in a competency hearing for, like, other charges. But then to me, it was like, well, crap. You know, if he's found, like, not competent to stand trial, what happens? Does he just get, you know, it's like, go? Like, that just seemed weird. Right. Okay. According to reports, Warfel was someone that Tracy Crow would have known. He was friends with her parents. But again, um, I found that Warfel had been friends with Tracy Crow's parents. Um, and then there's this whole thing that happened where Tracy Crow's sister, Kim, visited Warfel in the hospital and actually recorded a conversation that happened between them. And it was like a two-hour conversation. Um, he asked her to help, help him get an attorney. Um, and he claimed that he knew who killed Tracy Crow. And he blamed a man that he called Big Goofus. A segment of the conversation between Warfel and Crow's sister can be found online. Francis and I read through it. So uh, uh, Warfel says, well now, uh, let's put it this way. From From what I figured it out, he talked her into taking her for a ride with her car. And then Crow's sister, Kim, says, who was driving? And Warfel says he was driving. Uh, he says because uh, the way Ivan said when the seat was back against about the big goofus she was with. So I put these things together. So you can see it doesn't even speak yeah. correct grammar. Ivan would have been Tracy Crow's dad. Correct. Um, so then Kim keeps asking questions. Well, how did he kill her? And he's, he tells her that uh, he, he choked her because she was so little. So he doesn't say how he knows any of this, um, but he continues like on with what happened. Yeah, he says he was likely uh, put her in one of the mine shafts. So obviously anybody that knows central Pennsylvania or the surrounding areas, there's a lot of mining and there's a lot of places. I mean, we've heard links to Barbara Miller even in, mm-hmm. in these kind of things. So... Um, so then Kim asked what mine shaft? He says around Loyalton. So again, that's just 
just out of the coverage area where we are, but close enough that it hits home. And then he says that the person who killed Tracy Crow kept some of her clothing as a souvenir. Now, this this is interesting to me because he says, he tells her sister, like, yeah, the guy that killed her, this big goofus, kept some of her clothing. And I'm the one that told police where to find it, and they found it. So I'm putting all these pieces together, and I'm figuring all this out. Well, it turns out that investigators said that they never searched the property that Warfel said that they found this clothing, and they didn't have any of her clothes. So is he just making shit up here? So, again, that's, <laughs> that's what happens with people that want to, you know, either they're not mentally all there or they're, or they're you know, putting themselves in situations that they really shouldn't be put into. So, uh, uh, but to come back then and say that a lot of the statements he made were true kind of, you know, raises the eyebrows on, yeah. on so many different things. Because the district attorney said that some of the statements in this recording were very significant yes. to the investigation. Yes. So it's like, how do you go through this and piece together? Like, It's so hard for them, especially when you have somebody that's saying stuff that, that there's some truth to it, some not truth to it. It's, it's kind of all over the map. And it just, for them, it's a very hard situation to try and figure out and get them. We'll be back after this. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I... I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. mm, out of auto repair. So what what's interesting to me is that we kind of got off from this Webster guy a couple years ago, who was the one that allegedly said it was supposed to be a rape and done, but it turned out to be a lot more than that. And we've moved on to this Mark Eugene Werfel as According to what I've found in reporting that's been done in the most recent years, that's the main suspect, like, right now. And he's just kind of, seems like he's talking a little crazy. I mean, obviously, we don't have that whole two-hour recording to sit here and, right. yeah, look at. The, but, again, main suspects are main suspects, and then, again, police continue their investigation, so you don't know where that leads. Mm-hmm. And, again, you have an 89-year-old man, so. But I can't imagine longer. this Webster guy who they searched his property in 2016 and he he said that allegedly i can't imagine he's like totally out of the i wouldn't doubt it picture. but he could have just been thrown in there as somebody that's you know they guilty say, by association yeah, guilty by association that knows him and has no clue and again they'd probably let him in and said here search this place all you want mm-hmm. uh you know that's a that's a long time for clothes to be buried somewhere too so although there seems to have been significant progress in this investigation in recent years no arrests have been made, and the investigation into the disappearance of Tracy Crow remains open. So we're going to keep 
looking into this one. And then, like I said, if anybody has any information or wants to say anything about this case, reach out. Um, I know we do get a lot of that where people reach out and we'd we'd love to have, you know, we'd love to have people on where, you know, again, you got to always remember that uh, we try to put out uh, as much as we can. I'm a big proponent of putting out what has already been reported or stuff that is that we get that's new that's coming from investigators or you know uh, of, uh, officials but it's really hard uh, for us to just take what people are saying and put it up but we do want to try to start a segment where people have their say and they can you know mm-hmm. send in stuff that we will read and and again we don't have to necessarily use any names but there are theories. People have their theories, and we will. And I think there are a lot of theories around this one. I, this was a very highly requested case for us to look at. It is, and especially because it's out of our coverage area, so that that's yeah. a good thing. So, mm-hmm. but again, send it in, and, and let's discuss it, and let's and you know maybe we can maybe some of the stuff that you're that people are saying we can actually check into and go and look. It's it's you know the, these these kind of cases are very hard because the files aren't closed, so it's very hard to get uh, to get stuff, but mm-hmm. but. We have ways, so we'll see what we can come up with. If you have any thoughts or comments about this case or others, reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harv Productions LLC, or head to our website, harvproductionsllc.com, where you can find our contact info. We love to hear our listeners' thoughts on the cases that we're covering. And with that, we'll see you next week.